Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I thought that we was going to use TalkShoe again this week because free conference call didn't work out last week. It cut me off uh, a few minutes early for unknown reasons. And I believe it was because of the high traffic on their website that the system kind of just crashed. Uh, that's the only reason I can think of. And they do warn on that website about high traffic. And, uh, and the sound quality wasn't very good. It was not any improvement over TalkShoe. So I thought we was going to go back to TalkShoe this week, but then when I uh, called in to TalkShoe, it was a busy signal. So TalkShoe is not working today, so I had to use free conference call, which I was not prepared for. So that was a pleasant surprise. That maybe, perhaps, Jesus is saying, use free conference call. We'll see how it works today. Amen. We'll see how it works today. At least I still had the information for a backup. And at least I had not canceled my account or anything like that. and still had all the information. So we still had it as a backup. And that's good. Let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name of Jesus. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all the sleep that we got last night, for waking us up today, for giving us another chance, another opportunity to be your people, to come into alignment with your will, to serve you in the spirit and in the truth. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to pay attention to the sermon. Please help us to not be distracted by our own thoughts and our own ways. Please help us to not be distracted by the world, but help us to put our minds on your word, on this sermon, on this message, so that we can receive the fullness of it, so that we can receive all the edifications that you would have us to receive today. We ask, Lord, that you would help us through this next coming week. Please give us strength. Please give us help. Please help us to say no to all evil temptations. Please strengthen us in righteousness and holiness. May we be a shining light to this world. May we be an encouragement and a comfort to the people that are seeking you. May we be instructors and teachers of righteousness. May we shine forth your worship and your praise to this dark and desperate world. May we be your people, your kingdom, and your light upon this earth in our lifetimes. 
Please help us to fulfill our callings. Please help us to put you first in everything. Please help us to rejoice and to be positive, even in desperate times. Please help us to have joy in the midst of great tribulation. And we'll give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Jesus. God help us. <laughs> God help us. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, starting in verse 15, here in a minute, here. Yesterday, I was at Wally World, better known as Walmart. Call it Wally World, because it's sort of an amusement park. <laughs> bunch of clowns and animals and beasts and quite a ride so I noticed at Walmart you know they've got now here in the United States most of the stores they have where you can only go down each aisle each hall between the shelves only in one direction so you gotta go down one direction only down each hallway of the store and then the next hall will be in the opposite direction and the next hall the next aisle in the other direction so that way you don't have to pass people the ideal is that you would not pass people that you would maintain a distance of at least six feet away from everybody at all times if you was allowing people to go both directions down the same hall, then you would have to pass people and come close to them within only one foot away, one foot, two feet away from them. And so this is important in order to not spread the disease. And I believe it's a good idea. The thing is, though, people are very disobedient and disrespectful. Not respecting other people's health, other people's opinions about the seriousness of the virus 
a lot of people, unfortunately, a lot of people believe that this virus is just simply not very serious. Especially people that live in areas where there is a not, a, not a lot of sick people, not a lot of people dying yet. They think it's not very serious because they don't see people dying in front of them. They can only see in front of their face. They can't see the big picture. They can't see, or at least they don't look at and they don't pay attention to the big picture, to the global scale, to the seriousness of the situation. They turn a blind eye to what is happening in the larger cities. And so their opinion is not very serious. Therefore, they are not obeying the signs, the regulations, the restrictions. And they just go up and down every aisle carelessly in disrespect, in, re in disobedience, in rebellion. And so it came into my mind, since these people are not following the instructions, not following the signs, not having any respect for the others, that this is the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of lawlessness. And part of it is how that by human nature, from Adam and Eve, we all have inherited and been born into a sinful nature. But another part of it is that Babylon, all of Western false religion, have taught us to not be lawful, but to be disobedient to God to not follow the commandments and instructions of the Lord. A lot of people in Babylon believe that all law was done away with in the Bible. So that is part of it, even though you might think it might be difficult to tie the two together, the law of God and the law of man. But the thing is, it's the law of man has always been tied to the law of God. Amen. That you should not kill. Amen. That you should not steal. That you should not bear false witness against someone, accusing them falsely of a crime. All of these human laws were based originally on God's law. They were God's law originally. God's law was the original law. And all human law descend from that, from God's law. Amen. Except for unrighteous human law, of course. So if you say that God's law is done away with, it affects their mentality, their entire personality of how they are going to act in life. Amen. Disrespect for one of people, one another, not loving God, not putting others before themselves, not putting others before themselves, but always thinking of themselves first. It's a very selfish and greedy mentality of lost people. Amen. 
Now, with all of that in mind, we're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Now, in addition to what I said about people going down the wrong direction in the grocery store, you also have people throwing their mask and their gloves down on the ground in the parking lot rather than throwing their mask and gloves, the used ones, after they're done with it, when they come out of the store, instead of throwing, in, instead of throwing their used gloves and their used mask in the trash can, they throw them straight on the ground. Some people, some people, not a lot, but some people. If I don't see a trash can, I put it in my car. I put it in the trunk of my car in a plastic bag or just in the trunk. If I don't have a plastic bag or in the floor behind my driver's seat somewhere. And then later on put it in the trash can. Rather than to uh, litter and throw something on the ground for somebody else later on to come and pick up after me, like if I'm some child. Amen. It's very disrespectful, childish, rebellious, and unloving to throw a used glove or used mask on the ground, or any kind of trash on the ground. It's disrespectful and childish. Amen. All that in mind, Matthew 7, verse 15. Now, it says here in verse 15, Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravious wolves. So in other words, beware of ministers who appear to, or at least they try to appear to be holy. But inside, they are against righteousness. They are against God. They are against you. They're just out for your money, or they're teaching false doctrines, whatever. But this would go, even though he's talking about prophets, he's also, if you don't just go by what the letter says here, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, but you go by the Spirit, the same principle can also go toward the members of the congregation, not just the leaders of the congregation, of the false church, right? Anybody. The same principle would go. The same spirit of the law would apply that there are people who claim to be Christians, whether they are leaders or church members. There are people who are claimed to be Christians, and they want to put on a godly appearance, but inside they are lawless and wicked. Verse 16, you will know them by their fruits, what they do and what happens by their works. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from trissels, are they? In other words, if you plant a tomato plant, you'll get a tomato plant. If you have poisonous roots, you will get a poisonous plant. So inside these people, and the origin of these people, are wickedness. Therefore, they do wicked. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the corrupted tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, nor does a corrupted tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you would know them by their fruits. Now this is a little bit difficult to always apply in an immediate context. Because when you think about people like the Shriners and even the Catholics and other groups, sometimes they do a lot of good, at least by appearance. Remember, they have a righteous appearance. So you could say with the Shriners, they do a lot of fundraising. They collect money to build uh, hospitals for children, and they save a lot of lives. They help a lot of children from a, a lot of uh, car accidents and blindness and uh, surgery and everything. They help a lot of children. You say, well, that's a good fruit. Therefore, they, if it's a good fruit, it must be a good tree. It must be good people. So sometimes it's very, very deceiving. Okay? But behind all that, inside you usually cannot see What's going on behind closed doors? You can't see in somebody's mind. You can't see in somebody's heart. So these Shriners, they might be doing something good on the outward appearance. And Catholics and many other people, Seventh-day Adventists, even some Muslims sometimes, outwardly might look good. But behind closed doors of the mosque, they are planning terror attacks and funding terror attacks. The Shriners are Muslims. They are Muslims. And I guarantee you some of their money goes to Islamic causes. They pledge allegiance on the Quran. They pledge allegiance to Allah when they sign up to be a Shriner. So they are Muslims. And I have on the website the proof that the Shriners started in actually Syria and that they are Muslims. Proof on the ministry website. Amen. So who knows what's going on behind closed doors and where all the money really goes. The fact is it's been proven that a large amount of the money does not go to the children's hospitals. So where is it going? Amen. And then, not only in immediate context, but also at the end of the world. Notice here it says in verse 19 that the, if they do not bear forth good fruit, the tree is cut down and thrown into the fire. So that is a picture of the lake of fire at the great white throne judgment, a thousand and one hundred years after Jesus comes back. So the final fruit, the final conclusion, the final judgment won't occur until then. So until we get to that day of the final judgment, the great white throne judgment, the lake of fire, we might continue to be deceived by certain people, certain groups, certain organizations, until we finally see the end, the final end result of that organization. Amen. So we might not know the truth about certain people and certain organizations until we get to the last day of this world. Amen. Now we go to verse 21. 
Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the Shriners, the Muslims, it doesn't say Jesus, Jesus here. It says Lord, Lord. So God, God, you know, or anybody that's claiming to be saved, even if they are talking to the true God, not everyone who claims to be saved, not everyone that praises, not everyone that prays will go into God's kingdom. Amen? Now, people say it's kingdom of heaven. That means we're going to go to heaven and live in heaven forever. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say we're going to go to heaven. It doesn't say that we're going to live forever in heaven here in this verse. It just says kingdom of heaven. That's it. That's it. So you can't jump to conclusions. You can't assume things. You have to read the whole Bible to learn about what the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom that is ruled from heaven. But God's kingdom does not exist in heaven alone, all by itself, not just heaven all by itself. But God's kingdom is on earth and on every planet in every system, solar system, every galaxy. God's kingdom is universal worldwide. Amen? Throughout the entire universe. Not in heaven alone, but it is ruled from heaven. In fact, the word of, kingdom of, that word of can be translated from, the kingdom from heaven. It can be translated kingdom by heaven, kingdom from heaven, kingdom of heaven. It can be translated many different ways. So we can't use this phrase to try to say that we're going to live in heaven forever because that would be a false assumption. But not everyone that says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter into his kingdom. But he who does, who will enter the kingdom? He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Even that last phrase, who is in heaven, tells you what the kingdom of heaven means. It is a kingdom ruled by the Father in heaven. It explains itself. Amen? doesn't say anything about people living there forever. Amen? But we do enter that kingdom, which is ruled from heaven. But who enters is the one that obeys, the one that does the will. If you're doing the will of God, that's obedience. Amen? If you're doing the will of God, that is obedience to what he wants you to do. Amen? Amen. And so that would be opposite of rebellion. It's the opposite of sin. It's the opposite of lawlessness. Amen. In verse 22... Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many mighty miracles? So very clearly, the people that speak in here in verse 22 are people that believed that they were saved. Amen. Not only do they believe that they were saved, they were doing works. 
Amen. They were doing great works. Amen. They were prophesying. It sounds like leaders to me. They were casting out demons. They were performing many miracles. Well, that makes me think of Benny Hinn and a lot of other television evangelists and a lot of the evangelists and prophets of Africa and on TV worldwide doing many miracles, casting out demons, prophesying. That reminds me of Benny Hinn. That reminds me of a lot of the African so-called prophets. And yet, verse 23, Jesus says, verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Leave me. You who work at transgression of the law. They literally work at disobeying God. These are ministers and church members that think that they are saved. They feel like that they're working for God. They feel like they believe that they are producing good fruit. It looks like they're producing good fruit. All of the church would look at these men and say, hey, they're casting out demons. They must be truly of God. They're doing a good work. How can these men be evil? But when they face the judgment seat of God, when they are judged on the last day, Jesus would say, you have worked at breaking the law. Amen. You have worked at breaking the law. You are workers of transgression of the law. In other words, they were teaching that you don't have to keep the seventh day. You don't have to keep the holy days. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to become perfect and sinless. They work at breaking God's law. Amen. This is your typical Babylonian minister and church member. Amen. And verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them actually does obey, actually does do the will of my Father, actually does keep God's commandments, may be compared to a wise man, not a fool, but a wise man who built his house on the bedrock, on the foundation stone. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, but it did not fall, for it had been founded or built on the foundation stone, on the bedrock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, does not keep his commandments, that does not obey him, will be like a fool, a foolish man. Amen. Who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell, it fell down. And great was its fall. Amen. It really fell altogether. Amen. Praise God. 
So we see a lot of things in these verses, very important verses that you don't hardly hear in Babylon, especially verse 23 and 21, 22, amen. You don't hear that in Babylon very much because it's talking about them, therefore you're not going to read it much, amen. Notice how Jesus does say that there are foolish people. That could be even translated as stupid people. It can, absolutely. There's no difference between a fool and a stupid person. Some people might be more offended by the word stupid, but there is no difference in the meaning. Whether you say a fool or stupid, you're talking about a person that is careless about what they're doing. They don't take careful thought. They don't think it through. They're not wise. They are the opposite of wise. They do not practice wisdom. They do not practice discernment. Their actions are ridiculous. They are practicing evil works regardless of what you call it. Amen. Now, these people that work at breaking God's law, and they are foolish people and not wise, they are disobedient. They are rebellious. Amen. They have the spirit of rebellion. So today we're talking about lawlessness during the epidemic. And if Babylon teaches them, if their leaders teach them, which they are, a lot of Babylonian church leaders are teaching the people to not obey the restrictions. Amen. Now, most of the church pastors of Babylon, they want to keep the church open for people to come and worship. And that would be understandable if they practiced wisdom. Amen. If they were obedient to God, if they were truly his people, if they were keeping his commandments, including that when people are suffering sickness, that they would come or that they would call, it says, amen, <laughs> To call the elders and, and follow their instructions. Amen. God is so good. Praise the Lord. And the elders, as we said, I think it was last week, that the Bible says in Leviticus and in James that the ministers are to enforce the quarantines. But you got all these Babylonian pastors that are telling their church members that the virus is not serious, that all we got to do is trust God, that all we got to do is pray it away and be disobedient and rebellious to man's law, which was founded upon God's law, not wear a mask, not wear gloves. So they're not practicing wisdom. They're not practicing discernment. They're not practicing obedience and respect to the law. Amen. They're not respecting God's law nor man's law. It is a false faith. 
Amen. It is a false faith where just trust God. That trust is opposite of fear, and therefore we just trust God and we won't get infected. So we can just walk out in front of the truck and not get killed. That is their mentality. And it is a stupid mentality to say we can walk out in front of the truck and not get killed. Now, there are certain times when you need to use that word stupid. And if a, if a preacher says walk out in front of that truck and just trust God that you won't die, he's a stupid preacher. Amen. And you're stupid for obeying that man or woman. Amen. Amen. Stupid is, stupid is. You might as well call it stupid and say it where it is, not water it down. Amen. Oh, God is so good. Now, if these people were practicing wisdom and obedience and respect, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. If, they, if the preacher was to say, everybody come, but everybody wear gloves and everybody wear a mask, sit six feet away, don't shake hands, and let's not spread this disease, then I wouldn't have no problem with it. But they're just telling everybody to come the way they are. Don't wear gloves. Don't wear a mask. And don't do this in public either because it's not serious. And that is the spirit of lawlessness. Amen. Now let's go over to chapter 25. Matthew 25, verse 31. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Mankind, Jesus, comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Amen. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, when this is going to occur, a lot of people misunderstand. A lot of people think that these verses are talking about the day Jesus comes to the earth. But actually, it's talking about the great white throne judgment, which is a thousand and one hundred years after Jesus comes back to the earth. You have to read the entire Bible to understand that. But this is the great white throne judgment, also spoken about in Revelation 20. Also spoken about in Isaiah 65, verse 20. Now it says here in verse 33, He will put the sheep, that is the righteous, on his right, on his right side, and the goats, that is the lost people, on the left side. That makes sense. The Democrats, they are the leftists, and the, the righteous people, or what's supposed to be the righteous people, is on the right side. The right side of politics. Amen. Verse 34. Then the king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The king, that is the son of mankind, will say to those on his right, Come, for you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom 
See, that's when they inherited, at least these people of the second resurrection. These are the people that will rise in the second resurrection. Okay? Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That means even from the very, very, very beginning, he had this all planned out, everything. Amen? Verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Uh, lacking clothing is what that should really say. It's not talking about literally completely naked. So you can write in there, lacking clothing, if you want to. That's what the next update will be saying, lacking clothing. And you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous, those on the right, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or lacking clothing and clothe, and clothe you? And I've already got those written down, so you don't need to send that to me, Robert. So when did we clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, oh, yeah, I love it when it says the king. The king will answer and say to them, Amen. Means truly, this is true that I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine. Amen. I got to make a note for a second. I'll let you make it for me, Robert. Brothers of mine, verse 40. Just send that to me. I will know why you're sinning. Even the least. You did it to one of these brothers of mine. Even the least. You did it to me. When you did these good works to other people, you also did this to me. Amen. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left, the Democrats, the evil people, the Nazis, the Muslims, the communists, those people that are on the left. He will say to them, depart from me. Hey, ain't that what he said in Matthew 7? Depart from me. Amen. You know what? I believe that those people who are lawless, hey, amen, amen. These liberal Christians that think you can do anything, that you can uh, have abortion and coexist with Islam and, and all that other junk. Liberal so-called Christians that want to hold hands with the devil. God says to them, depart from me. And it says, cursed ones, amen. Depart from me, cursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, the lake of fire absolutely will be eternal. Absolutely, yes. God is the lake of fire. God is the consuming fire. He was the burning bush. He was the smoke. He was the pillow of fire by night. He is the lake of fire. Amen. The Bible teaches that very, very, very clearly. The fire is eternal. 
But it does not say that these people will burn forever and ever and ever without end. Does not say it except for in the very corrupted Roman Catholic King James Version where it says in some verses forever. Not in this verse though. Which does not mean forever. You know that same word that they use forever and sometimes in King James is translated as perpetually or perpetual. If you look at that word it says that the, the King James says that the Levitical priesthood would be forever, without end, perpetual. That the Aaron priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, the animal sacrifices, the uh, all the temporary ceremonial old covenant laws, animal sacrifices, clean and unclean animals, circumcision, all of that. The King James Version says that those laws would be forever. So you got to understand that when it comes to certain things, many things throughout the Bible, the original agent languages, Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew, these words for forever only meant for the most part, most of the time, only meant until the end of term, until the end of term, to the fullness of its term. So a person could say to a, a maid, I'm going to hire you forever, I'm going to hire you perpetual. And yet the contract would be seven years. And then after seven years, the slave would go and be freed and, and, and set free from bondage. Amen. It was not perpetual. Amen. So, or not forever, rather, according to the English. Amen. But the fire is definitely forever because it is God's presence. Now, the lake of fire uh, will destroy the devil and his angels. Verse 42, when I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I was lacking clothing, and you did not clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or lacking clothing, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Amen. Truly, this is true. I say to you to the extent that you did not do it to, to the least of these, of other people. You did not do these things to me. Amen. These will go away. It says eternal punishment. It does not say eternal punishing. There is a difference. There is a reason why there's not the letters ing here. Punishing would be forever and ever in pain, weeping, crying, agony, torture. But punishment is an eternal state of having that punishment, meaning that it can't be reversed. That's what that means. Eternal punishment means the punishment cannot be reversed. Once they die, they're dead. 
Amen. They are dead forever. It says that the wicked will perish. It, they, they should consume away into smoke. It says it in the Bible. Look it up. It says that the, that the wicked will be ashes under the feet of the righteous. There will be nothing left of them. Not even stubble, the Bible says. Read it for yourselves. Amen. And so their death, their punishment will be eternal. But the righteous, what happens to the righteous? Eternal life. So if the righteous receive eternal life, then how can the wicked also receive eternal life? Huh? 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 Ain't it Romans 6.23 that also makes that same comparison of that the gift of God is eternal life? but that the wicked will perish. I know I'm not saying that exactly word by word, but that's what it says. That's what it's teaching. So Romans 6.23 needs to be added here for comparison. Robert, Romans 6.23 needs to be added into the note there in the AOB in the next update because that is a great comparison verse. Amen. Only the righteous is going to receive eternal life. Only the righteous will receive the reward of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Amen. You can't have life and death both at the same time, even though Babylon says you can. And that's stupid. Amen. That's a time to use that word stupid when Babylon is saying that you are going to be dead and alive at the same time. Because they say death is separation from God. What? Uh, these people, if they don't know what death is compared to life, that is stupidity. Amen. Sometimes you just got to say it the way it is, even if it does offend them. By using strong words, sometimes it will provoke the person to actually take a closer look. Now, of course, most of the time, they're just going to slam the door in your face. They're just going to never email you again. They're going to leave the MeWe group. They're not, never going to email me again, never talk to me again, because they are offended. Their feelings are hurt, just like the Democrats. Just like the Democrats, that every little word offends them. How dare you to just say the truth? How dare you call me out on my sin? How dare you to judge me? That is the mentality of the wicked. Amen. But people are going to receive their just rewards for stupidity, for lawlessness, for disrespect against God's law, Amen. And for not caring about other people. The lesson of these verses that we just read is that we should love other people as ourselves. Amen. And if we are practicing that, then we would wear gloves in order to help stop spreading the disease. Amen. And churches... And businesses, if they are going to open, should require every person to wear gloves. 
because that's wisdom. That's intelligence. That's being careful and respectful of other people's lives. Amen. It is ridiculous in this uh, wicked and uh, foolish society that they're telling people to wear masks, but they're not telling people to wear gloves. I understand it is partly a respiratory virus spread through the air, but it is also spread through contact. I know that they're trying to say that it's not spread through contact very much, but that would that's a stupid statement. It's stupid. A virus is a virus. If it can spread through the air, it can definitely spread through contact. That's common sense. And I would say that it spread more through contact than what it is through the air. Because I have common sense, and that's how I can say that. And also, as a minister of God, according to the Bible, and according to the Holy Ghost, I was called to grow in medical knowledge, especially natural health, common sense, logic about how things work in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. God is the great physician, and he called his ministers to also be physicians. So I believe that God has given me a common sense that a doctor would have as well as what a, a other human would have, but also the, the logic that a doctor would have as well. Now, I'm not going to turn right now to Revelation 3, but you know that over the last few weeks, we've had re read Revelation, over the last few months, we have read Revelation 3 over and over and over again about the Laodicean church, the end time church era. And you know that it says that these people of the end time would think that they are rich, that, that, that they are wealthy, that they are well clothed, that they don't have any need of anything spiritually nor physically. They're very materialistic. Uh, they are spoiled by riches in this end time. And so that's a big problem in end time. End time Christians and end time society is materialism and riches. And what that reminds me of for today's sermon is that people are putting the economy, jobs, money, finances, they are putting money over and above human lives. Amen. They're thinking more about saving their own bank accounts and building up money and saving the businesses and saving the economy as if this world is always going to continue the way it is, as if that America will never fall, as if we can continue to hold it up. This is like Jesus said, when the rains come and the winds come, if we are built our house upon a solid rock, upon a bedstone, upon a good foundation, then the winds and the rain will not make it fall down. 
But the fact is that people that have built everything they own, their whole life, upon careers, finances, uh, a ton of money in the bank, stock exchange, investments, uh, all these things, and tons of money in college educations, all of that is going to crumble down. And they're trying to hold it up with sticks in the midst of a hurricane. That is what people are trying to do with the United States, with Zimbabwe, with South Africa, with all nations, and with society that we have today. They're trying to hold together what is falling apart and what they cannot save. Amen. They're trying to save America. They're trying to make America great again. When the fact is, they're not going to do it. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. And you might as well just let it fall. You may as well let society and this nation and the economy fall. You might as well let it fall. Instead of putting money first, instead of trying to put, trying to save the world, you need to just let it fall. We are living in the end times and it's going to fall because their world has been built upon sand. Their world has not been built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and therefore it will fall. Amen. Now let's turn to Revelation 16. Revelation chapter 16. Page 275, Revelation 16, verse 2, Revelation 16, verse 2. So, the first went and poured out his bow of the seven last plagues on the earth. And it became a loathsome and burdensome sore on the people who had the evil, the mark of the evil beast and who worshipped his image. So very clearly the context is the wrath of Theos, the wrath of God, in the final, uh, I think it's 42 and a half, 41 and a half days. Uh, before Jesus comes back to the earth. When the seven last plagues are being poured out upon humanity. Uh, ask Brother Robert, who is the math whiz, 45 minus three and a half. 41 and a half. Thank you. So it's the last 41 and a half days when these seven last plagues are being poured out upon humanity. So we see here disease sores upon people who still have not repented of the mark of the beast. Now, the mark of the beast is many different things. It's not just one thing by itself. It is a branding. It is a spiritual branding in your mind. It is a spiritual branding upon your works, your hands, what you do with your hands. It is who you worship. It is how you worship. 
Remember that Revelation 6, I mean Revelation 13, uses the word worship or worshipped five different times in one small chapter. And that Revelation 13 is the chapter about the mark of the beast. So you cannot separate worship from the mark of the beast. The mark can also be translated as branding. It's not just mark of the beast, it's branding of the beast. A farmer will brand his cattle. He will put a mark into the, the flesh of that animal. And that mark will be his initials or a number that will brand that animal as belonging to him. Our branding is not physical. Our branding is spiritual. And there is also the branding, the mark of God as well. You don't hear that in the churches. But in the book of Deuteronomy, I believe it is, and maybe even Leviticus as well, several places in the Old Testament, it talks about the seventh day and the holy days and God's commandments as being between your eyes, which is the same thing as being in your forehead, and in your hand, it says. That is spiritual. So we have the mark or the branding of God is a form of worship of keeping his commandments, his seventh day, his holy days, and his other commandments. Amen. So the opposite of that would be Christmas and Easter and Sunday worship. The mark of the beast is going to church on Sunday. The mark of the beast is keeping Christmas and Easter and Halloween or any of the pagan holidays. The mark of the beast is being part of Babylon, false religion. The mark of the beast is belonging to the devil, being branded as being owned not by God, but by the devil. And the truth is that every person on this earth already has either the branding of God or the branding of the mark of the beast. Every person on this planet, and they always have, is not a new thing. So even Paul said that the mystery of lawlessness already existed. Already existed. It is not anything new. So the mark of the beast is lawlessness, false religion, keeping the wrong holy days, disobeying God, following our adversary, following the devil. And along with that comes the curses of disease. Uh, I believe it may be Deuteronomy 11. I believe it is that says that I present unto you today both cursings and blessings in these commandments. Blessings, if you keep the commandments, including long life and good health and prosperity. But cursings, if you do not keep the commandments, if you disobey God, there will be sickness, there will be death, there will be bad things to happen to you. So that has all, always existed, that if you disobey God, disease and bad things happening to you will be the result of disobedience to God. So, of course, we would see disease upon 
the people who worship Assad and will follow his false religion, which will be a mixture of Catholic Church and Islam, which is what we already see in all of Babylon. All of Babylon. If they do Sunday, that's part of the Catholic Church. If they believe in the Trinity, that's part of the Catholic Church. If they do Christmas and Easter, that's part of the original form of Islam, kept Christmas and Easter, as well as the Catholic Church. So it is Assad's religion, the religion of the son of perdition, the Antichrist, and therefore they are worshiping Assad. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping the mark of the beast. They're worshiping uh, his image rather than God's image, God's character. Therefore, in the time of these epidemics, we are seeing diseases mostly upon false Christians and the Muslims and the Nazis and the communists. The major outbreaks are in democratic cities, amen, and in uh, Iran and Moscow and New Orleans and Los Angeles and New York City. The places where you have the most Democrats, the most lawless people and the most wicked people are the places where the disease is the most and where you have the most deaths. You also see tons and tons of reports, constantly reports of pastors dying and Christians, false Christians dying. We saw recently the man in Florida that said, had originally said, that the virus was fake. He was teaching people that. He was putting that on his Facebook. He was telling people that the virus was fake, that we don't need to follow or obey any of the restrictions, that it's just government conspiracy to try to control us. He was saying all that. He was teaching all that. And yet, he claims to be a Christian. He talks about God. He prays. He says we should trust the Lord. But yet, he's a fool. He's stupid for ever believing that the virus was fake. That's stupidity. If there ever was stupidity, that's stupidity for saying that the virus is fake. And he led other people to believe the same stupid things. He is a leader of stupidity. And it's a degree of foolishness that you must call it what it is, stupidity. There's no better word for it. And yet he claims to be a Christian. He can pray. He can pray and he can pray and he can pray. But his prayers will not be answered. And now his wife has the virus and she might die. Last I heard she was intensive care and it wasn't looking good. And I don't wish nothing bad for them. But they are paying the price and receiving the wages for their sins and their foolishness. Christians should be examples to the world of obedience to quarantines and wisdom about loving one another enough to try to stop spreading the disease 
and have enough discernment and intelligence to know that the situation is real and serious. Now let's go to Revelation 22. Chapter 22, starting in verse 10. Revelation 22, verse 10. Revelation 22, verse 10 says, And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still be wrong. This ain't the verse I was looking for. I've got it written down wrong. Let me find where it's at. Maybe it's chapter 21, I think. 21.10. Let me look at that. Yeah, 21.10. So change your notes there. Chapter 21, verse 10. Revelation 21, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from the Theos, from God, having the glory of the Theos. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. And it had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and the gates at the gates, twelve angels, and names written on them, which are the twelve tribes of the sons of Jezreel. Amen. So we see that the new Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven, which will land on a newly remodeled earth after the great white throne judgment, a thousand one hundred years after Jesus comes back, this holy city of Jerusalem will come down out of heaven and land upon the earth. So very clearly, that's going to be our home, and we're not going to live in heaven, but rather we're going to live in this holy city that has been prepared for the bride of Christ. Amen? And we will live on that new Jerusalem, on the newly remodeled earth, which is still this earth, but newly remodeled, and it's going to have a great wall. It's going to have gates. It's going to have borders. And guess what? Jump down to verse 27. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abominations and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's scroll of life. Amen. So in other words, there won't be allowed any lawless, disobedient, disrespectful, rebellious person. There won't be any wicked person allowed into the city of Jerusalem. Amen. Now, a lot of people are so unwise to think you're going to have this holy city and it's going to have these gates, it's going to have these borders, these walls, and no, no wicked person will be allowed into it. And therefore, right on the other side of the wall, you're going to have wicked people. That's ridiculous. 
And yet, I don't know how many people I've had ask me that question. Over and over and over. Another person and another person, another person, another person, another person. Tons of people have asked me, where will the wicked people live outside of Jerusalem? Well, back up into the previous chapter, Revelation 20, they are burnt. They die. They perish. They shall never live again, Malachi 4. Come on now. We're talking about the new earth. We're talking about paradise. You're not going to have wicked people living on the outside of the wall. They won't be living. They will die in the lake of fire. Amen. In paradise, you're not going to have Democrat cities and conservative cities. <laughs> Come on now. It's going to be paradise. When it says that no one unclean will enter in, it means that those unclean people would have already died, would have already received the final judgment, would have already been thrown into the lake of fire and killed. That's why they're not going to enter in. Not that there's going to be slums outside Jerusalem. Come on now. Practice a little bit of wisdom, please, please, please. People need to think things through. And they also need to back up and read the previous chapter. Amen? Look at the larger context of Scripture. Don't look at just one verse all by itself. Back up. Read the previous chapter. Compare other verses that are talking about the same thing. And think about the time that it's talking about. What time is it talking about and what happened just before this? And when you think all about that, when you think about all of that, then you come to realize, yes, this is after the lake of fire. It is after the great white throne judgment. We're talking about paradise when there won't be any suffering. There won't be any crying. There won't be any hunger. There won't be any more death. There won't be any other wickedness. It's going to be paradise. There won't be other cities of where the wicked lives because they would have already been consumed. Amen. And all you got to do is just read the previous chapter and other chapters. Read the whole Bible. Amen. Now, that's all the verses I got for you, but there's a few other things that we must talk about, and this is related or at least this first thing is related. The restrictions that we're seeing right now on church services, which now the restrictions are being lifted in some areas. we got President Trump uh, declaring that church services is essential, which they are essential. But like I said, if you're going to open them up, require that they practice uh, proper hygiene, wearing the gloves and the mask, and try to have people uh, sit far away from each other and stuff like that. Worship services are essential, but they must be told and enforced to wear gloves and I think 
just gloves would be appropriate. And if anybody's, if anybody's sneezing or coughing, then they need to be uh, told to go home. And the whole church should be shut down and disinfected. There have to be an abundance of caution in the time of a pandemic. You look back to 1918. I posted on MeWe last night a picture of a sign from 1918. And on that sign from 1918, during the San Francisco and worldwide Spanish flu, it said in 1918 on that sign that even the church services were counseled and not allowed. 1918. So that tells you right there that the restrictions on church services is not because that they're trying to bring in communism or a dictatorship or government overreach or anything like that or any kind of conspiracy theory. But rather, in the time of a plague, you've got to have people stay home, everyone. You've got to have that in order to reduce the spread of the virus. Now, here locally, I'm not closing the ministry door, the church doors, because there's nobody coming to church except for only Brother Robert, who is with me every day, almost every day anyway. So it's not like we've got several people coming in here. We've got my wife and myself. We've got Brother Robert, and we're always together very often anyway. So I'm in a unique situation. Okay, so, but when you've got people, other churches, where you might have 50 people, 100 people, 20 people, or something like that, it is very necessary that if they're going to have worship services, they need to be practicing uh, extra caution using gloves and so forth. They should even be made, I think, to have a essential oil diffuser to be cleaning the air as well. I think that that should be forced upon the churches, uh, disinfectant in the air if they're going to have worship services, which we do have running every week here as part of our uh, incense to have a sweet aroma unto the Lord as the Bible instructs us and commands us to do, to have uh, candles lit, to have incense burning unto the Lord, even in when Jesus comes back, we'll still be doing this according to the Bible. So if we're still doing that when Jesus comes back, then we should still be doing that today. And I would say also that it's even good for your, your prayer time, some of your prayer time, to have a candle and some incense going. Because that is not new age. And that is not witchcraft. Read the Bible. Why don't you read the Bible instead of just throwing out accusations out there because it's something new to you, something strange to you, something you've never done yourself. And so people just want to assume that it's witchcraft or it's new age stuff. Why don't you read the Bible where it talks about that they always had the lights lit of oil which is the same thing as a candle for us today, always during worship services and 
uh, even in uh, private worship, that this was acceptable and that we're going to still be doing this in God's kingdom. Now, these current restrictions on church services is a spiritual preparation for the church going underground, losing religious freedom and the future destruction of churches. I have said for years, ever since 2006 probably, that when the Great Tribulation comes, that the churches, both the true church and Babylon, a lot of Babylon, will have to go underground. That means that they have to start having worship services in secret. During the invasion, a lot of the churches will be destroyed by bombs, invading, invading troops, Chinese troops, Syrian troops, Russian, Chinese troops. They're going to burn a lot of the churches down. People are going to have to have worship services and fellowship in secret, in private, in secret places all across the world, like they are right now already in China and Russia and Islamic nations. It's going to come to America. It's going to come to South Korea and Australia and South Africa. It's going to come to Canada. It's going to come to all nations to where if you believe in Jesus Christ and don't worship the beast, then you're going to have to meet in secret. That's called going underground. It's not talking about literally underground, but rather it's talking about flying under the radar, escaping notice, meeting in secret, even living in secret, hiding out. So this current situation of having restrictions on church services is, is spiritual preparation for people who believe in the name of Jesus that is preparing us for the reality and the mentality getting us prepared that there's a day coming when everywhere it will be against the law to meet in Jesus' name, even as it was during the Roman Catholic Empire in the first three centuries A.D., that it was against the law to have a worship service in Jesus' name. They told Paul, they told Peter, they told the other disciples, do not preach in the name of Jesus. And they had to have worship services in private, hidden locations. That's coming for America and all the world very soon. And what we see right now with the religion's restrictions, even though I agree with it happening for the purpose of reducing the virus, at the same time, it is also a foreshadowing of the future of not being allowed to worship in public. It is that as well. We've got a lot of different meanings, a lot of things going on. Losing religious freedom and the destruction of churches. It is a foreshadowing. Now, another thing we need to pay attention to <clears throat> this weekend and the next few days is the situation with Venezuela. On to a new topic, another subject now. Iran is shipping 
five oil ships, five oil tankers to the nation of Venezuela. Now, Venezuela is on the very northern edge of the continent of, of South America. It's in the northeast corner of South America. So it's not that far away from Mexico and Cuba. So Iran is shipping five oil tankers to Venezuela. And this is forbidden under the UN sanctions against Iran. The, the uh, Venezuelan president is an ally of Syria, Iran, Russia, China, and Cuba. So therefore, he is aligned with the Islamic communist nations. He is receiving the oil shipments directly from Iran in violation of the UN sanctions. Iran is said to be escorting these oil ships, and the first is expected to arrive tomorrow, Sunday. The U.S. has threatened to stop the ships, and if they do, if the United States military intervenes and prevent, prevents these oil tankers from reaching Venezuela, if that happens, Iran could be expected to close the Strait of Hormuz, which is between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which is a huge, major global shipping route for Middle Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern oil to all the world. That would greatly anger Saudi Arabia. That would greatly increase oil prices, fuel, and gas prices worldwide dramatically. This could be a provoking point to war. We need to closely watch what is happening over the next few days with the oil shipments from Iran to Venezuela. Remember that I said not only I said just a few weeks ago that not only would the viruses and plagues and pestilence increase over this next year, but also that we should expect seeing an increase in major earthquakes, hurricanes, strange signs in animals, but also that war would increase as well. Remember me saying that? So this Venezuelan situation could be a candle, a matchstick that starts the fire, which would spread a spiritual fire of war, which would spread into the Middle East and, the, and then the entire world. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, I'm not proclaiming a specific prophecy. But what I am saying is that the situation looks like it could turn dangerous. It could provoke a battle. It could provoke a situation, a war with Iran, not only in that part of the world of Venezuela, but also in the Middle East with Saudi Arabia and Iran. It would greatly anger Saudi Arabia. We could expect uh, Iran to close that shipping route in the Middle East. We could, we could expect possible uh, American ship being sunk, uh, Iranian ships being sunk. We could see more uh, major, huge missiles from Iran hitting American targets. We could get into a drawn-out war 
that could last the rest of this year into next year. Remember that I've always said for a long time, that is, that we don't know all the specifics about everything that's going to happen. We know a lot, but there are also missing pieces of the puzzle that we don't fully understand. We could be in war for months leading up to the final war that occurs in the time of parent. It could be that this just goes away for a few more months and then comes back. We don't know. So I'm just saying these are possibilities and that we need to keep our eye on this situation. I would advise everyone that has a car to tomorrow after the seventh day is over with. Seventh day goes you know, all the way until sunrise. The Sabbath is not over with until sunrise Sunday. So wait until sunrise and then go fill up your car full of fuel. Because I believe that this is a serious situation that we need to keep our eyes on. And it would only be wise and prudent to fill up your car before the gas prices go through the ceiling. We could see a great increase in fuel prices over these next few days. That is possible. It is only wise and prudent to pre prepare for the possibilities. Do not pray that this war will not happen because prophecy must be fulfilled and we have no responsibility to try to hold up a crumbling society. This world is falling and we don't need to try to hold it up with prayer. We need to allow this world to fall because we have built our foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ. And this world that is built upon sand will fall and must fall. We don't need to be trying to hold it up when it is already falling down. Let it happen. And let's just face the consequences. Let's, let us just face the reality of the end times that we are living in. Amen. Instead of praying that the war will not happen, what we need to be praying for is for more of the Holy Ghost, for more discernment, for more wisdom, and for more understanding. We need to be praying for our families, our friends, our co-workers, the people that we know actually face-to-face, -face, as well as for the other congregational members worldwide. We need to be praying for ourselves and for one another rather than for a world that is going to fall, whether we're ready for it or not. Amen. Remember that next weekend is Pentecost weekend. The High Holy Day of Pentecost, May 31st, last day of May. And so both of those days, next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, both will be rest days and worship days. Sunday, May 31st, will be Pentecost. Both Saturday and Sunday both will be, will be days of rest and worship. We're going to have special worship services. Special worship services. This coming Sunday, not tomorrow, but the next Sunday morning, May 31st. Please, please, everyone, try to come. And worship with us live, if at, all, if at all possible, for that high holy day. The holy days are special. 
and we have a holy day every Saturday. But the annual holy days, like Passover and Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, they are extra special and extra holy. And God wants us to try to worship together, to be in unity, to be of one mind and one accord, and to keep those special holy days. So we'll have special worship services at 7 o'clock in the morning Eastern Time that Sunday. So please set your alarm clocks and write it down on your calendars. And I did put in the newsletter and in the MeWe social media groups that you could download apps onto your phone and onto your computer to count down. We're supposed to count down to that great and high holy day of Pentecost, which has a very special foreshadowing of the sixth seal that will be opened a year before Jesus comes back. A very special meaning that we need to be thinking about. Amen. Please be praying for the next worship service. Please be praying for God to give me those sermons because we need a sermon for Saturday and a sermon for Sunday. So please be praying that God would anoint me and give me the sermons and give me the words and the verses that he would have me to say. Pray for the anointing on those worship services. Please pray for my wife. And please pray for this ministry. Amen. Brother Robert is working on a Spanish translation. And hopefully very soon now we'll be having the entire website published in Spanish. And that is going to be a great big door of opportunity for salvation to come to Spain, to Mexico, to Latin America, and to South America, and to many Spanish-speaking people across the world. It's number two or number three in the most spoken language in the world. So that is a giant opportunity to reach more people. And it is my heart's desire to get the ministry website also translated at least parts of it, or at least the flyers, translated in every language possible. Even if you think that no one's going to read it, that no one needs it, you would be surprised. Amen. God is good. Let us do everything that we can do, and I mean everything possible and everything wise and everything prudent, to get the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel, the truth out there to every person of every tongue, every tongue. The Bible says every tongue, every language needs to receive the gospel of the kingdom of God. Amen. It says every tribe, every language, every nation. Amen. Thank you for listening. And I see that the free conference call actually did not hang up on me today. So we might just keep using it. I know it's a little bit worse sound quality than TalkShoe. But TalkShoe didn't work for me today. And maybe God might be saying it's time to switch. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the possibilities. And it's something to think about. It's something to pray about.
Okay. And you know, the thing about sound quality is it doesn't have to be perfect. As long as the person can understand what I'm saying, that's really all that counts. Uh, I think a person can put up with a, a little bit of a, a buzz or some popping noises or whatever in the background, as long as they can understand what I'm saying. If a person really wants the truth, they should be willing to put up with some stuff uh, as long as they can understand what I'm saying. So we'll work this out. We'll pray about it, see what happens. We've got two people, two people listening that I don't know who they are. So I invite you that if you're new to the worship services or new to the ministry website, I do encourage you to check out the ministry website at isawthelightministries.com. isawthelightministries.com. Well, we'll see what we can cook. See what we can do. Maybe go for a walk. It's a beautiful, hot, steamy day. My kind of weather. So let's get out there and fry some chicken, shall we? God bless every one of us. Amen. God bless you. May God bless you in amazing ways. And the congregation said, Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.